Much of the hope that kids have had, especially older children, because very few older children are adopted in Russia, they've lost hope. You can see it in their eyes. When I was just there this last summer, they know they don't have any hope, and uh, it's very sad. Today on First Person, a dad and his daughter tell their story of adoption and how God brought them together. Welcome to this week's program. I'm Wayne Shepherd. You'll meet Greg Yoder and his daughter in just a moment. We are here every week at this time with guests who remind us of how faithful God is to guide and direct a life that is surrendered to Him. And if you've never gone to our website, I hope you'll do that today. You'll find more information about our guests as well as much more, including our calendar of what's coming up on future programs and our growing list of past interviews. You can listen online at firstpersoninterview.com. You can also download this program as a podcast through iTunes for convenient listening anytime. Well, Greg Yoder is the executive director and anchor of Mission Network News on many of these stations. What you may not know about Greg is that he and his wife adopted a daughter from Russia a few years ago, and now they're reaching back to help other orphans through a program called Project Hope with Russian Ministries. I began by asking Greg to tell us his family's decision to adopt a Russian child. Well, it actually kind of started with my wife. Uh, We had talked about adoption when we first got married, but it kind of went, you know, in the back of my mind back in 2002, and we weren't getting any younger. And so the summer of 2002, my wife said, you know, if we're going to think about this adoption thing, we, we really need to find out about it. And so she scheduled a meeting with Bethany Christian Services here in Grand Rapids, and we decided to go to the meeting. And I was going thinking the Lord was going to close the door because, you know, we weren't getting any younger. <laughs> and so we went to the meeting here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and they had this room kind of set up with uh, organizations where places that they had actually adopted programs. And my wife actually started around the room one direction because I was actually talking to somebody. And then I started kind of the other direction. And we both stopped, unbeknownst to each other, at Irkutsk, which is Irkutsk, Russia. And so we kind of finished our meandering around the room. The meeting started and I leaned over to my wife and I said, did you see that little girl from? And she finished my you know, my sentence from Irkutsk. And I went, oh boy, this is weird. The <laughs> long story short, we heard a lot about the different programs. And when they started talking about Irkutsk, that was a program where hardly anybody adopts from because it's so difficult. And we thought if the Lord is going to want us to adopt, he's going to help us adopt from the most difficult place. And so we actually decided at that moment to adopt from Irkutsk, Russia. Such a far-flung place for most of us. Describe where it is in Russia. Uh, it's about a five-and-a-half-hour plane ride from Moscow, kind of to the southeast. And if you look on a map, there's Lake Baikal or Mongolia. It's just across the border from Mongolia, right on Lake Baikal. So you saw a photo of this little, what, three-year-old girl? Yeah, this little girl. Actually, it wasn't Anastasia at the time. It was this little girl. Um, her name was Evgenia or Jeannie. And we thought that we were going to adopt this little girl named Evgenia. Uh, But somebody had adopted her, and we thought, well, the Lord had introduced us to this program, so we're going to pursue it. And the very next referral was Anastasia. And so we had a photo, we had a little video, and it was actually on my birthday, October 29th, we went to Irkutsk, Russia, to meet Anastasia. So it's almost 11 years to the day. (laughs) 
And that now 14-year-old is sitting right next to you. Anastasia, welcome to First Person. Hi. You were much too young to remember, I assume. You're, what, three, three and a half years old? Yeah, I don't really remember much. Have you ever been back, or would you want to go back and visit where you were born? I haven't been back yet, but I would like to, yes. Uh, Greg, and uh, the the other miracle here is that now it is impossible for American couples to adopt from Russia. It certainly is. You know, 750,000 kids are in the orphanage system in Russia, and uh, adoption isn't very prevalent in the country. Obviously, domestic adoptions are still happening, and I believe they're allowing international adoptions to France and Italy, but they're even talking about ending those. And so uh, much of the hope that kids have had especially older children, because very few older children are adopted in Russia. They've lost hope. And you can see it in their eyes. When I was just there this last summer and just talking with them, they know they don't have any hope. And Hmm. uh, it's very sad. Let me talk to you as a newsman for a moment, though, because I understand from Anita Dynica and others that what's happening is that believers in Russia are beginning to step up and adopt within the country. Yeah, it's a brand new phenomenon, probably less than two years old, where uh, they're actually the church is actually saying, wow, we can make a difference and we can get involved. Yes, I believe the program is called A Home for Every Orphan, and it's not just happening in, in Ukraine, but also in Russia, and it's really taking place all over the world. And we're excited about this program. Uh, the, the concern that we have, though, is are there the resources in many of these nations to foster this? And so we here in the United States, or at least uh, some of us in West Michigan, are really excited about partnering with churches to get them excited about it. And then as they get excited about it, come alongside and help them financially or a- other resources as well. Well, here you are now, a proud papa. You've got this uh, beautiful 14-year-old sitting next to you. Um, Tell us about Anastasia today, and then uh, maybe I can ask her a couple of additional questions. But what is she like as a young woman today? Well, I love Anastasia. She is a, a leader. I always tell her that because it seems as though wherever she is, there are people around her. Um, people just love her. She can carry on a conversation with an adult as easily as she can with somebody her own age. Um, she seems to be the life of the party. She's a very athletic young lady. She loves the Lord and loves people and really has a heart for people and loves to help people. In fact, when we first brought her here to the United States, that's the first thing we noticed is that she just wanted to help everybody, not just <laughs> us, but she wanted to help everybody and wanted to be in the middle of everything. And she's not shy. She loves to be a part of the mix, and I just love that part about her. Anastasia, one thing you and I have in common is that I also was adopted, uh, although much earlier than you. I was only 10 days old when I was adopted, so like you, though, I don't remember anything about life when. But uh, tell me about coming to the U.S. and growing up here. Do you do you feel like you are an American? Um, I kind of do, yeah, just because I've been here for so long. Um. But I, like my dad said, I he tries to keep my heritage like alive and stuff like that. So we do get a, we do mm-hmm. go around Russian people a lot. Mm-hmm. Do you try to speak Russian at all? Um, I actually take classes from one of my dad's friend Lilia, who has Russian classes on Saturday. Okay. So yeah, I do. That's interesting, Greg. That's, uh, I mean, why is it important to you that she does that? Well, I've always had my prayer that Anastasia would somehow, and I don't even know if she knows this or not, but that she would one day want to share Christ with her people, whether it be here in the United States or actually going back. And so 
I've always thought that if she could, you know, retain the language, retain her heritage, that it would be so much easier for her to be able to do that. And, you know, the Lord entrusted her with us for a reason, and we're so grateful that she's a part of our family, and that'll never change. But at the same time, my heart and passion that I've had for Russia since I was a little boy, which is weird, um, is still alive. And I really love the Russian culture, love the Russian people. And even 20 years ago, if you would have told me that I would have a Russian girl as a child, <laughs> I would have said, oh, that is awesome. I would love yeah. that. So I, I guess as, as I look at that, I, I, I really wanted her to keep her heritage alive and not to forget where she came from. <laughs> You know, you are just a little bit younger than I am, but uh, we grew up uh, thinking, you know, during the Cold War years that uh, our enemy were the Russians. And at the same time, though, in churches, we were praying for believers in the Soviet Union. Do you remember those days growing up? I do. In fact, I always wondered, you know, why are why are everybody why is everybody so upset with the uh, Soviet people? I mean, they've got to be just like us. Uh, I just wanted to learn about them. And so I spent a lot of my time, even in high school, you know, in the 70s and 80s, trying to figure out, you know, what are these Russian people like? What are the Soviets really like? And they've got to be just as scared of us as we're scared of them. And so as I guess they went through this whole process of my life coming into adulthood, that never really went away. Yeah. I visited, as you have, Beslan in southern Russia a few years ago, and outside one of the schools was a former bomb shelter where their children would be sheltered from American bombs. So you're right, they were going through the same things. Now, um, not to be overly political, but once again, the winds uh, of politics have changed in Russia. Once again, uh, there's a lot of question marks about Russia today. There certainly are, and I just, you can't help but think, well, politics have changed here in the United States, too. And they're probably thinking very similar thoughts about us, especially in light of, you know, the President Bush wanting to put in these missile silos, I believe. And that wasn't a very appropriate thing for, I think, from their perspective. And uh, likewise, we feel, I think, similarly uh, when the Soviets or when the Russians make decisions you know, that are contrary to what we believe. So um, I guess just because of the politic, it really hasn't changed my mindset at all. The people are still wonderful people, and there are still incredible needs. And we need to think in terms of the church in the former Soviet Union. Indeed. And when you think of the church and how it has survived over the years during the oppression, the persecution, the imprisonment, even the killings, it's amazing that the church is still vibrant and flourishing. In the second half of today's conversation with Greg Yoder and his daughter, we'll talk about Project Hope from Russian Ministries. Next week, a report on my recent trip to South Korea with several of my broadcasting colleagues from the National Religious Broadcasters. We were there to celebrate the dedication of a new studio building in Seoul operated by the Far East Broadcasting Company with programming to both North and South Korea as well as Japan, China, and Russia. This new facility serves Northeast Asia with gospel programming. A report from Seoul, South Korea, next time on First Person.
My guest today is Greg Yoder of Mission Network News and his daughter Anastasia, who joins us. Anastasia is 14 years old, was adopted by Greg and Anne-Marie Yoder when she was about three, three and a half years old. And I'm so grateful for the two of you being here with me today. We want to talk about Project Hope and Russian Ministries. Greg, you've already told about your involvement reporting on Russian ministries in uh, the former Soviet Union, and but it goes beyond reporting. You've actually become involved, haven't you? I have, and it actually started last year, or actually before, let me start before it, uh, Sergei Rakuba, the president of Russian Ministries, actually asked me to be kind of an advisory board for them. And so this was about five or six years ago, and that's when I really got to know them in depth. But as I got to know Sergei, uh, especially with a relationship with our daughter, um, he always told me, Greg, if we ever gotten, if we ever started a ministry in Irkutsk, I'm going to let you know, because I just have a heart and passion for that, and I know you do too. So when it happens, I'll let you know. And well, last Thanksgiving, about Thanksgiving, I got a call from Sergey on my cell phone, and he says, Greg, he calls me Grisha. Grisha. I want to hear the rest of that. <laughs> so I said, Sergey, what's going on? He says, we've started a Project Hope in Irkutsk. And I got really excited. In fact, Anastasia was in our family room. And so I went in and I said, Anastasia, Sergey just called and they've started a program in Irkutsk. And she said, well, she was watching TV. So she said, oh, cool. That was about it. I said, no, they want to do the gift program, send Christmas gifts. And then her eyes lit up. Oh, great. And she turned at me and she said, Dad, we got to send some Christmas gifts to my former orphanage. Oh. To which I said, okay, well, we can send a few of them. And then Anastasia, what did you say? I said, no, we should try and do it to all of them. I said, all of them? What do you mean all of them? That's 150 kids. (laughs) Do the math. 25 (laughs) times 150 kids. That's like $5,000. And I said, we can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) To which she said, oh, yeah, we can. (laughs) Come on, Dad. (laughs) Yeah. So we we started that last year just, uh, just a little bit after Thanksgiving. And uh, we had calls from Janet Parshall and from other radio stations. And by God's grace, we were actually able to raise about $5,500. I say we, Anastasia, because she was the one that was doing it all. Well, Anastasia, how did you do it? Where did the money come from? Um, well, I just asked people from our church and other people, um, t- kind of told them what the project was about and stuff like that, and explained what their donations would go to. And so... Yeah, I just asked for donations to give gifts to my old orphanage. You had to be, you had to feel used by God in that place since you were wanting to give back to the place where you were born. I mean, that that's a very powerful thing. Yeah, I just felt like I should give back because they, like, gave me so much. So I felt like I needed to give back just a little bit of what they gave me. It's an amazing story, too, Wayne, because when we got in touch with the pastor who was in Irkutsk, we told him that we wanted to help specifically with her orphanage. And he told us, well, they couldn't get in there because the uh, orphanage director said no. Uh, they wouldn't let the, the cult church come in. Oh, yeah. So we actually made a video. It was Anastasia in front of a Christmas tree. We had it translated. My friend Lilia translated it for us. And he, we sent it to the pastor, and he played the video for the orphanage director, and they allowed them not only to come into the orphanage, but allowed the kids of the church to come in and spend time with the orphans. And as they were going through this district in Irkutsk, they noticed that there wasn't a church there. 
And so their plan at that time was to go in this past summer, start family camps, and hopefully start a church. So just because of Russian ministries wanting to start a Christmas gift program, a Project Hope program in Irkutsk, and my daughter kind of catching the vision for that, uh, this church has a vision to plant a church in this part of recruits. What a great story. Well, Christmas will soon be upon us, and Project Hope is very much uh, happening again this year. Actually, it happens in January, doesn't it? Because that's the Russian Christmas the uh, orth- on the Orthodox calendar. Uh, tell me more about Project Hope and the need for this in the first place, from, from what you have seen and, and experienced, Greg. Well, first of all, these kids don't get anything at Christmas time, um, and Christmas really isn't a, a very special holiday for them. Uh, it's actually New Year's, which is their big holiday, but even those days, they don't really get much. Most of these kids don't have families. They don't have any connection with those people. And so much of of the holiday is pretty much ignored. Uh, But for $25, you can buy a Christmas gift, which has uh, obviously a present, toys, candy, uh, personal care items, most importantly, God's Word. And it comes in different forms. It can be a CD of songs, of, of, of Scripture songs. It can be a storybook, Bible, or it can be a complete Bible. And these kids actually get one of these Christmas gifts. And you know what? When you give one to them, and I've actually been able to distribute them to these kids, you should see just <laughs> the excitement that they get in their eyes. And it is truly amazing. And it's something that they never forget. And when you think of other programs like Samaritan's Purse, they're They're doing a similar program, but you can't send those into Russia. The Russian government doesn't allow them to come in. And so Russian Ministries has had really the wherewithal to develop this program. The $25 is actually wired to the local church. The churches actually have buying power because they can go into the community and buy all these gifts. So they start having standing within the community. And because they know how to do the ministry the best, they're actually taking these gifts into these orphanages, presenting them, but not just giving them that. They're actually sharing the Christmas story and sharing God's Word all at the same time. And that's kind of the beginning of their orphan ministry. Yeah, and they have an opportunity to build a relationship, which those if you and I went over and handed them a gift, we'd, we'd leave and come back to the U.S. and perhaps never see them again. But the local church can interact with them and build relationships. That's very powerful. It certainly is. And I think this year, uh, Anastasia and I really wanted to reach out to more of the kids. We have a lot of, of kids in our community here in West Michigan that are from Irkutsk. And Anastasia, why don't you just tell us, I mean, how many kids that you think are going to actually participate in this program helping us to promote? Um, I'm thinking about five of the kids are actually going to, like, help us. Um, One of my friends, Ayla, and her family is going to help. And my friend who I was actually adopted with, his her older brother is going to help us, and just some other kids like that. And Greg, as a dad, uh, I can I can just see your chest is kind of expanding right now. <laughs> well, you know, we got a chance to be uh, a part of a family uh, where they adopted a young girl from the same exact orphanage during the about just about the same time, and they live two miles away from us, and they actually have two kids from Russia. And their older son, who Anastasia was referring to, Nicholas, who's now 16, he uh, just told us that, yeah, of course I'm going to help you guys with this. (laughs) And so we've got families from Oregon to uh, West Michigan to Florida that are all contributing to this in some way, helping communities in their 
communities uh, just to catch a vision for this. Anastasia, you were too young to have experienced this and remember it, but can you imagine what it's like for these children to receive a gift like this? And what, what do you think goes through their hearts and minds? Um, I think when they get a present like that, um, I think it just gives them a little bit of hope that there are people out there who do still care about these people, even though maybe we can't adopt them, but we can still send them gifts to show them that people do still care about them and give them hope. And last year, Wayne, it was interesting because she did a video, it was completely off the cuff. And when she did the video, she thanked her caregivers for taking care of her. And Anastasia, why did you do that? Um, I just want to say thank you for um, basically just like showing me love and stuff like that. So I just wanted to say thank you because without them, I don't really know where I'd be right now. And that was really an open door because as she was able to thank them, they told the pastor that they never, ever hear back from some of these international families. And so to see her and see how well she was doing and see how beautiful she was, it just really opened the door. And we're just praying that because we're actually producing a video uh, beginning today with all of these five kids, that we hope will have an impact on all of the orphanages represented in this area. Yeah, you may not remember them, Anastasia, but I'm I'm guessing they remember you. I, I, I think that's probably true, and it means so much to them to complete the circle like that. Well, as I said, we're coming up on uh, Christmas uh, for us 2013. It'll be just after the new year in Russia. And Project Hope is very much alive and in gear this year. We want to encourage our listeners to get involved, and we'll put information on our website. But Greg and Anastasia, anything more you want to say to encourage people to do something, even a simple thing to reach out like this? $25 is not a lot of money. And when you think of Christmas this year and how much you'll spend um, on Christmas this year, just one gift of $25 can do so much in the life of one child. They'll never forget it. They'll never forget it for the rest of their life that that somebody somewhere cared enough to send them a gift. And so if, if you could afford $25 or, or maybe even $1,000, that's a lot of gifts, um, to help with this project, it can go a long way to providing not just love, but also the opportunity to, for them to hear the gospel. Anastasia, what would you say to people listening to, uh, to who are maybe considering doing something? What would you say to get them started? Yeah, I would just say, like, imagine your kids getting up on Christmas morning and having nothing there. And then just to have somebody give them just a little box. For me, knowing that I that when I was little, knowing that I wouldn't have gotten anything, and now people in my old orphanage are getting just a little bit of something that us Americans get a whole bunch of and we aren't and we're kinda grateful for it. But these kids are so grateful for it because they don't get a lot of it. And so with just that you can give them so much hope when they get that little box. I love the story of Anastasia reaching back with a helping hand to other orphans. One of the reasons why I wanted you to hear today's interview is that we all can have a part in what the Yoder family is doing this Christmas. If you would like to get involved with Project Hope by providing funds to the church in Russia to reach orphan children and others with the gospel, please visit our website, firstpersoninterview.com. There you'll see a banner for Russia Ministries, which you can click on for additional information. Find out how you can help. Go to firstpersoninterview.com, click on the banner for Russian Ministries, and thank you for your heart to help these children with gifts, including a children's Bible. We'll have more information about this on our Facebook page as well. Go to facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. 
Next week, I have the privilege to take you to South Korea and talk with several of my broadcasting colleagues. We made the trip together to celebrate the Far East Broadcasting Company's new building in Seoul. We'll talk about it next week. Now with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.